2: Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back. <coughs> Welcome oh. back. Wow. All right. Ah. Yeah, you don't talk for like ten minutes, and then it's time to talk, and you've been traveling for twenty-two hours, and you're gonna die on the air. Um, Welcome back to Gojo and Golic. I'm Jesse Cofield. (laughs) Someone had a good time in Italy. (laughs) Someone had someone had a good time in Italy, eating all that pasta and traveling for (laughs) twenty-two hours. Okay, so Saturday, Duke Notre Dame barn burner. Okay, and then Notre Dame running back Audric Estime ran thirty yards for a go-ahead touchdown. 31 seconds left, lifted number 11 Notre Dame to a 21-14 road win over number 17 Duke. They barely got away with that W, guys. And here's how it looked and sounded in the booth. We had Gojo calling his first Notre Dame game along with Chris Hassel. Take a look.
0: Five on the play clock, 38 on the game. They're at the 30-yard line, second and 10 after the spike. Takes the shotgun snap. Estime has the handoff. He breaks it free! Up the middle! Touchdown, Notre Dame! Estime from 30 yards with 31 seconds left! And you see Marcus Freeman right now holding it up. The Irish are going to go for two. Stunned disbelief there.
2: It was the eye. It was the, the they call yeah. it whale eye with dogs, where their eye is just like p- poking out of their head in the wrong direction. You were just, you couldn't believe it.
0: It was amazing. So the way the booths were set up there, Dad, and it was awesome being down in Durham. What a cool environment they had there, college game day in town. But where I was situated with the booth for national radio, we were on one booth. Right next to us was Notre Dame student radio. And then right on the other side of that was Notre Dame home radio um, as well. And so I looked down through the glass and just saw all of them reacting and my brain short circuited in that moment where the entirety of that game basically had been Notre Dame sitting on a knife's edge. They go into the halftime locker room up 10-0 in a game that they had to pull out all the stops for. You had... A fake punt called on the first drive that ultimately led to Notre Dame points. You had an interception by the Notre Dame defense and Xavier Watts, their safety, that led to the field goal. But besides that, Dad, an ugly first half dominated by defenses. You had three missed field goals in total, two by Duke and one by Notre Dame in this game. And in the second half, it was all Duke. Yeah. Like, Duke thoroughly was out playing Notre Dame in the second half of that game. Looked like the better team for that entire stanza as they took that lead at home. And, Dad, as chaotic a last minute and 15 seconds as I've ever been a part of, watching Sam Hartman lead that game-winning drive and the 4th and 17 scramble for a first down that will likely be in the Sam Hartman folklore now and forevermore.
1: Yeah, that was uh, – I, I was going to say the reason they brought Sam Hartman to Notre Dame was to – Pass our team back into games, <laughs> and and this time he did it running, which is something he doesn't do uh, a whole lot. But you you got to give Duke a ton of credit in this one. You mentioned ten nothing at half. Notre Dame made it thirteen nothing with the first score in the third quarter of a field goal, and then it, then you're right. It was all Duke. Riley Leonard, uh, the quarterback for Duke, not known for his passing, and again he was twelve of twenty seven for one hundred thirty four yards. But he is a great running quarterback. I think you had the stat in the game, Mike. He's led all uh, quarterbacks in FBS with over eight yards a carry. And they started using him more in the second half, and he was deadly as a runner. I mean, absolutely deadly as a runner. And kudos to that Duke defense, especially up front in our areas of expertise, Mike. Me as a D lineman, you as an O lineman, Duke owned the line of scrimmage. Duke, uh, for, for a Notre Dame offensive line that was really feeling itself and playing really well, Duke took it to him. I mean, run, pass, pressure on Sam Hartman, everything. It was all Duke. So give them all the credit in the world. But when we're down, Notre Dame's down 14-13, that is the reason Sam Hartman was was brought in. And we start that last drive on the five, our own five-yard line and then get a penalty to boot. So it knocks it back to the two-and-a-half-yard line. And then, as you mentioned, what was it, a fourth and 16, 17, whatever it was, Sam Hartman rolls right, and he is looking to throw the ball. He does not want to run. No. He, is, he is staying behind the line of scrimmage to find someone. Finally, he takes off, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, he waited too long. The defense is going to come up, but there was space for him. And that last five yards where there was a couple of defenders going to be in the area, you knew he was going to get it because he had so much momentum going forward and then the estimate touchdown run after that. And, and, and you know, as you have to say in this, while there is rankings and people watching and AP polls and coaches polls, bottom line is you get the win and you get the hell out, right? You got the win. Duke's a really good team. Mike Elko has done a great job with that program. They were undefeated. They were ranked. And, and they were outplaying Notre Dame in the second half. Notre Dame found a way to win that game. Now you get out of Dodge and you go and prepare for Louisville. By the way, for Notre Dame, from Ohio State to Duke to Louisville to USC, they will have played four undefeated teams all ranked by the time they get to USC.
0: All at night, by the way, too. Four straight night games for, I think, just the third time in Notre Dame history. We played seven my last year at Notre Dame. And that's certainly a factor in its own way. But, Dad, in this game, so many people were going to be focused on, was there any hangover from that Ohio State loss? gutting loss at home? Really almost a complete role reversal in this game from that game, right? You had Ohio State coming on the road As the more talented team in South Bend in some people's estimations. Now, it wasn't to say Notre Dame wasn't the better team that a lot of people thought in that matchup. But Ohio State, we know what they are talent wise in that program. And Notre Dame played that game as the better team for basically the entire stretch right. and then lost in the most brutal fashion in the final moments. Now flip the script. Notre Dame walked into Durham as the more talented team. They got outplayed for a large stretch of that game and then deliver a loss to Duke in one of the most gutting fashions I've ever seen because it also involved that a strip sack to end the game by Howard Cross, who had a whale. Yeah, he
1: did. Yeah,
0: he like he if did. you wanted to come for some D tackle porn, this was your game. Jamie Ann Franklin and Dwayne Carter on the other side were lights out for Duke. Dwayne Carter is hell in a cell. This is going to be the tape that people turn on when you're talking about his NFL career coming up as what they look for because he gave Notre Dame's O-line fits. But, Dad, Howard crossed 13 total tackles. Yeah. <laughs> I think multiple tackles for loss.
1: And he's a nose between, tackle by the way, gang. Yes, he's a yeah. D,
0: he's a 6-1 D tackle, an yeah. undersized dude who was an absolute rocket that game and then had the strip sack to seal the game where Duke had 31 seconds and a pair of timeouts on the final drive but also unfortunately got rolled into Riley Leonard's legs. Uh, Dad, we found out after, thankfully, high ankle sprain. So we're talking a matter of weeks now and not the season lost for a Duke team that's got so much good stuff to build off of coming off of this game, but dad for Notre Dame that defense stepped up in a big way for a large portion of the night they got run on too after a while the war of attrition was definitely getting won by Duke but as Sam Hartman said after that game that Notre Dame defense especially up front kept them in for the lion's share of the day
1: Oh, well, they did the defense absolutely did uh absolutely did and it was so wild the week before Notre Dame couldn't make a fourth and one against Ohio State. And Here they make yeah. a fourth and 15, a fourth and 16 uh, to put themselves in position to win the game. I-, I feel bad, and it was a classy move by Sam Hartman after the game. He was doing the post game interview, and he was trying to rush through it, and you wondered why. He said, I want to get over to the sideline and see how Riley Leonard was, the quarterback who was still in the blue tent as everybody was clearing the field. He was still in the blue tent, and you saw him come out on crutches. And this is the shame, Mike, because Duke has a really good team. And one of the reasons they have a really good team is because of Riley Leonard running the ball. Right. Now, they were undefeated going into this game. And by the way, they playing Notre Dame was, is not a conference game, even though Notre Dame is in right. conference games in all the other sports, not football. So Duke still, from the ACC st- side of it, yeah. was right where they wanted to be. Now they're not going to have their best player for at least a few weeks, and that's going to hurt them. They have North Carolina State, they have Florida State, they have Louisville uh, coming up in their next few games. Wake Forest, if you want to go four games, if you think he's going to miss that many, but that's a that's a tough blow to a team who still, even with this loss, you know, was looking to battle in the ACC. Yeah, you had a really nice like quartet
0: of teams near the top of the ACC. We know they had already beaten Clemson, but Florida State, Miami, North yeah. Carolina, this Duke team could have made for a really fun and still might make for a really fun stretch. But you're right. It was insult to injury at the end of that game in a way that was a bummer. Cool move by Sam to go over there and, and do that for them. So, dad... Notre Dame, or excuse me, Duke is going to have that to contend with coming off of this game, where I still think the program's on a real upward trajectory. We were with our stats guy, was a Duke lifer, been around there, been an SID there for a while, and said the things you saw in that game, Duke students showing up early, running down into the stands, the stuff normally reserved for Cameron and the basketball team that popped in here, that's stuff that Mike Elko can build on. He's done a great job and building that program, and this is only going to help that. But that's a kind of win that could have been a program springboard that now they're going to have to search for yet again. For Notre Dame, they come off this one still with a lot of questions that have to get answered. It's the old line. You get to correct those mistakes from a win. But, Dad, coming off that Ohio State game, 12 penalties, and most of them procedural oh. before the game. Snap infractions, defensive players lining up off sides, the kind of mental errors yep. that the head coach is going to have to wear, Dad. Marcus Freeman is going to get more people looking at him coming off of that. As he said after the game, he was proud of how this team fought, proud of how they loved each other. And those things can all be true, but those kinds of penalty performances, the offense looking as stifled as it did, and I get it. You were down two, two receivers in Jaden Greathouse, and Jaden Thomas, who had been big-time guys for you there. But, Dad, the offense had nothing to really go on because of how the O-line was getting punched by the defense up front and then how that affected the passing game. And so there are still going to be a lot of questions for this Notre Dame team who still has their playoff dreams in front of them about how they respond going forward because that was not even close to the best version of the Irish that we've seen.
1: No, and that was a a lot of that was on the O-line. I was surprised how they got manhandled by Duke. I I really was. And you mentioned a couple receivers out, but – Boy, oh boy, we lose Michael Mayer to the NFL. Mitchell Evans, who is coming back from injury a couple of weeks ago. Wow, has he been an absolute gem on that offense. And they needed him, Estime, obviously, and Sam Hartman. But you're right, those penalties – those penalties will make a coach pull his hair out more than a physical penalty by a false start, by lining up offsides. And I get where the coach is involved. But again, I'm not at practice. I don't know if they're if they're lining up offsides in practice and it's sure. not, you know, not getting corrected, or they're or they just move on, or if they're false starting and they're just moving on. So I, I'm one of those that puts a lot on the players. You know, you're the ones on the field. Uh, that, that, and, and if you're not doing that in practice, the expectation is you wouldn't do it in the game, but they were. Now, again, it's loud in Duke uh, for sure, especially when your offense is on the field. And we've seen that have an effect uh, on offenses in the past, and it certainly had an effect here. But that old line, that that's, that meeting room was going to be a tough one, I think. They have Louisville next, and then they have USC now uh, USC, who that's going to be a lot on Notre Dame's defense from that offense, but Notre Dame uh, USC's defense isn't very good either. So that's that'll be an interesting one in a couple of weeks.
0: No, I'm with you, and ultimately for Marcus Freeman and company, now you do get to correct these mistakes yep. from the standpoint of a win. You still have all this available, and if there was any hangover, and I know they're saying there's not, but if there was. Now you got through it. You got cage rattled a little bit. And Sam Hartman did the thing that he came here to do what you brought him in here to do, which is lift you through some of these moments with the benefit of all his experience. That was his 51st start as a college football (laughs) quarterback this weekend. And in those big time moments, you saw that you saw the benefit of all that. And now you get on the other side clean. I'd expect a lot of this to get cleaned up and I'd expect a very different Notre Dame team heading on the road to take on Louisville next week in another primetime game. But dad, Let's get to, and and Jesse, let's get to that Colorado team that you just, or excuse me, that USC team you just talked about. Get where I'm going here. Playing a game against Colorado that was interesting, Jesse, ended up a lot closer than I think most people would have expected for a game that started off with a 21-point spread in favor of USC.
2: Yeah, I mean, Caleb Williams came out, and he threw for six touchdowns. The first half of this game looked like USC was just going to stomp them, just roll over the Buffaloes. Second half, different story. We see the Buffaloes come out, score 27 points, cut USC's lead to a touchdown with 143 to go. Ultimately, they couldn't pull it off. But Coach Prime, he had nothing but good things to say to his guys in the locker room after this game.
1: You have nothing, nothing, nothing. Not one thing to hang your head down on. You guys fought. You were resilient. You didn't give up. You could have quit. You could have tapped out. I was looking amongst the bench, and I was going up and down, trying to see who was tapping. Trying to see who who lost focus. And I'm so darn proud of y'all, man. Now you understand what we are. You understand what could have and should have done if we didn't play the first half like we played the second.
2: Caleb Williams really showing the world why he could be the first back-to-back Heisman winner since Archie Griffin here.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to take away from this one, Dad, and and Jesse is absolutely right about what Caleb Williams and that USC offense have been able to do. But on the other side, I think still part of the story here for people wondering, is this Colorado machine going to run out of juice? Is the engine going to stall at any point? (laughs) After a game like this that started off, Dad, and could have gotten away from them very early, this Colorado team battled back. Shador Sanders, another marquee performance from him. 30 of 45 for 371 and four touchdowns in this game. You had another receiver going off and Amari Amarion Miller. Seven oh. receptions for 196 yards. Another a freshman. Freshman, a freshman coming out and balling on this team. Dad, what Deion Sanders has been able to do, getting young guys ready to go and getting them on the field early. And putting up this kind of performance, like he just said there, that's just more wind in their sails. That's more proof of concept for what they've already been able to do. done. And also a scary reminder that this USC defense under Alex Grinch has still just failed, even with all the guys in the portal that they brought over to try and shore this up, to be a unit that they can rely on when counted on.
1: So from the side of the national picture and USC, obviously very highly ranked and Caleb Williams, Actually playing better this year than he did last year when he won the Heisman. So he is clearly your favorite um, to see what they can do. And their defense is again the part that's gonna let them down. I mean, there's I think there's four undefeated left in the Pac-12: USC, Oregon, Washington, Washington State. And they all, you know, play one another in some sort, some way. And there are some high scoring offenses, especially a Washington. Uh, that that's that matchup is going to be absolutely uh, amazing, I think. Um but it's the defensive side of the ball that that's really hurting them. And looking at Washington, yeah, they play uh, November fourth, Washington and USC. But their offense is high powered, and the defense lets them down. So we'll see where that goes from a national picture. Then, from the Colorado side, again, not the national scene. They're not going to be highly ranked or anything like that. But uh, what what Dion said after the Oregon game, I thought really, really stands tall. He said, get us now. Now is the time because this is the worst we're going to be. We're only going to get better. And there is no reason to believe that he is not right. I mean, what they outscored USC twenty-seven to fourteen in the second half of that game. Shadour Sanders. Now you're not going to have. You may lose him this year. You may come back. Although to the I mean, C. Deion
0: Sanders saying he's not going to go out to be number two quarterback. taken. He claims well, he's coming back. The <laughs> nil money's there and all that. And but honestly, dead depending on what his draft grade looks like realistically amongst a deep class, actually not the craziest thought in the world that he would. Come oh back no, about. no,
1: exactly. Right. If he's ranked as, you know, third or fourth quarterback, he may come back to be the number one quarterback. We'll wait and see. And you know, where they're going to go in the portal, they're going to go lines in the portal, right? O-line D-line. They're going to have to get some experienced guys there to protect the quarterback. Um, it will be interesting once they're without, what they without Shador Sanders, what's going to happen, what's the next quarterback lying in wait because he is playing phenomenal in what he's doing. But they are, they are a team to watch. They're a fun team to watch. Uh, and Dion, I, I love how Dion handled the loss at Oregon, the loss here. I really like the way he's, he's coaching these kids. He is a bit of old school. He's a bit of new school as well With with, you know, hey, we don't mind the bright lights on us and all that goes along with it. But he coaches old school as well. He's, he's got it going on there. And I know we talk about them week after week after week, but it was such a bad program and he's such a, a huge star in the world of sports, it's hard not to look at them.
0: Oh, I mean, we saw Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce showing up out there, Matthew McConaughey, Will Farrell. The sideline guest list looked like early 2000s USC. Yeah, we talked yeah. about it last week. And in a game where so many people were wondering, was Oregon going to be a harbinger of things to come with this team against the better teams on their schedule? And they flipped the script on that in a way that has a lot more people, I think, continuing to drink the Colorado Kool-Aid and also a lot of people looking at USC going, I wonder how much longer they're going to continue to rock with Alex Grinch, their defensive coordinator. right guy who Lincoln Riley knows and has been partnered with going back to his time in Oklahoma. But, Dad, you just wonder because this isn't oh it's just year 2 in a new program these are things that have been an issue going back a while now on the defensive side of the ball that personnel has seemingly not been able to overcome they're going to have to score their way out of every game yeah. and that's probably the biggest difference between them and the other Pac-12 elite that we're going to talk about
1: there's there. going to be some high scoring games in the Pac-12 games going to be amazing and for Colorado they take on a 1 and 4 Arizona State and then a 1 in 4 Stanford uh Stanford maybe 1 and 5 by them we'll wait and see so they could have a couple of wins. Remember, they need three more uh, to be bowl eligible, and I think they're absolutely going to do.
0: That's the wildest part about this is bowl eligibility, still a real conversation for a team that was 1-11 and last season. Back to the NFL next here on Gojo and Goliath. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Go Like the Giants, and Seahawks will close out week four from MetLife Stadium this evening. And the Seahawks, surprisingly, are like just MetLife dominant here. So they're 5-0 at MetLife Stadium, including the only Super Bowl title in franchise history. Three of the five wins have come against the Giants. They are 28-12 and all-time on Monday night as well, a 700-win percentage. Guys, that is the best of any team.
0: It's been a hell of a run for them there, Dad, and they're going to get even more help with some familiarity in MetLife as it sounds like Jamal Adams is expected to make his season debut yeah. here at a place that he used to call home, albeit for the team in the other locker room, in that stadium. Looking at this one, Dad, it, it's hard to boil it down to just one thing, and selfishly I'm always going to stare at the lines of scrimmage, but that's been the issue for New York so far this season, right, is – They've been getting beat up against the run-on defense for the majority of this season, and Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet walking into town aren't going to make life any easier there. And then offensively, they're getting ready to start their fourth different offensive line combination. Already this year, Andrew Thomas still not ready to come back. They get Ben Breedenson out of concussion protocol, but that unit dad already was going to need some help being quality this year with John Michael Schmitz, a rookie starting at center, Evan Neal trying to take the, a next step At right tackle after a tough rookie season, but they just haven't been on the field together long enough to come even close to realizing that potential, and it's going to make life difficult for everybody on both sides of the ball when that's your issues.
1: You know, I I think people don't realize, it's said, but I don't think people really understand that that the offensive line has to be the most cohesive unit on the field those are five guys that have to work with you in unison have to be able to work together without really communicating verbally at times that's how good they have to be as you mentioned you got a rookie at center you got a right tackle who struggled last year his rookie year and you got supposedly your best player your left tackle who got paid who's not been playing so that, that really, really hurts you from a consistency standpoint to get your running game going to help your passing game because we know in this offense that's what has to happen. And with Saquon Barkley still, you know, uh, gimped up the way he is, Breida is the guy carrying the ball, but they this needs to be an evenly paced offense, running and passing. It's tough for them to live just on one over the other. If they were to live on just one, and that's if Saquon was healthy, it would be more the run or hit him with swing passes uh, the way they did last year. But they just don't have the ability to do that right now. So uh, I, I think it's going to be tough for them. I think obviously a lot was expected out of them. And I called that first game when they got blank 40 to nothing against Dallas. That left just a horrible taste in everybody's mouth. I still don't know if they know who they are right now because they have been hit with the injury bug early on at some really key positions to try and get any kind of continuity.
0: Yeah, no, it has been brutal for a team that was already, and we've talked about this with the Minnesota Vikings, right? Doomed for regression because of what your record was in one-score games last year. For Minnesota, it's been compounded by them turning the ball over so much in a way that also does not seem sustainable on their side. That seems like it's going to level set at some point. Unfortunately for the Giants here, their problems do seem a little bit more baked in, and especially because of injury. And we talked about this with the games from this weekend, right? You look at a team like the Miami Dolphins, you can be humming on all cylinders, but then you have a few poorly timed injuries in the right places. And all of a sudden in this league, especially across the lines of scrimmage, there's just not that kind of quality depth for all of these groups involved here now and dead for Seattle on their side. They came in under the burden of expectations of last year being a team that took that step under Geno Smith that most people didn't anticipate. In the wake of losing Russell Wilson, they responded strong. And now they play in a division that, based on what we've seen from the Los Angeles Rams early and who we know the 49ers are, in an NFC all of a sudden looks like a compelling case for a three-playoff team in uh, that division inside a conference in the expanded playoffs that's also the weaker side of the NFL.
1: Yeah, I I don't think any of us saw what was going on with the Rams, right? I mean, I, I do not... Uh, Puka again who knew we'd be talking about a Puka right with 39 and catches not,
0: and not just talking about him but talking about him as one of the best receivers in the early NFL season leading in a variety of categories and being targeted more he's getting car- targeted like prime Calvin Johnson right now for God's sake
1: I mean it, it is it is absolutely amazing and remember this is a team that that has Cooper Cup you know who has the uh, the injury to his hamstring and, and I don't know when that's going to be or how that's going to be around. And for, I'm just saying his first name for people that don't know. Puka Nakua is his name. He's been targeted 52 times and has 39 receptions, averaging almost 13 yards per. It has been amazing. And this team has been a surprise, so I agree with you. And what we thought was San Francisco, then dropped down at Seattle, then drop down, it's the Rams, then drop way down, it's Arizona. As you mentioned before, Arizona's not making any kind of playoff run, but they're going to be a tough out for teams. They are they are playing teams a lot tougher than I thought they were going to do. And we heard also Kyler Murray is staying on the, the pup list, so it's still going to be a few weeks before he plays. So we don't know where that quarterback situation's going at the end of this year. But it, the Rams have been one of the most interesting teams in the NFL, and I think, kind of like the Giants we just talked about, I think we talk about that way uh, that with um, with Seattle as well. Is Seattle as good as they as we think they were from last year? Geno Smith had himself a career year, right? Do we think they were going to be as good this year? The Giants make the playoffs last year. Do we think they were going to be as good as last year? Already, they're showing that they weren't. Let's see where Seattle goes now, because you expect with what both teams did, that next step in the progression. And the Giants are already showing they're not taking that next step. Can Seattle, though, and be there as the, at least the number two team in that division?
0: Boy, the NFC West is quietly, because I forgot the Cardinals portion of it, you've got three teams that are actually good, and then one team that's become one of the toughest outs that might still also be in a conversation for the number one overall pick eventually if they keep losing enough of these games. Quick uh, cleanup on a couple of things here, Dad. Uh, this from Michael Yam over at the NFL Network. Context about Puka and Nakua's start to this season. When Cooper Cup won the Triple Crown in 2021 and led the NFL with... 145 receptions, 1,947 receiving yards, and 16 receiving touchdowns. Hook and Nakua already has more receptions and receiving yards than Cooper Cup did in his first four games of that Triple Crown season. For a fifth-round rookie player who might also get the benefit of Cooper Cup coming back, we heard reports last week that that the Rams are hopeful that Cooper Cup's going to return from IR next week. And while that certainly would change some things about the role, Dad, and we know when you're targeted as the guy who's the number one option, and that's what he's been for this team so far, it can make life a little different, but it could also be different when opposing defenses now have to worry about Cooper Cup coming back and the threat that he poses and the way you're getting covered. So there's a chance as this Rams O-line stays healthy that this offense could continue to get even better in the coming weeks, which makes the challenge all that much more interesting for a team like Seattle who's trying to make sure because the 49ers they're the clear number one yes, in this yes. in this division they might be the clear number one in the, <laughs> the nfc right now based off the way they've played versus the eagles but right after that it's a dogfight that the seahawks are firmly in
1: i i agree and again with the rams being the surprise they are getting cooper cup back now we can only think that they're going to be that much better and, and maybe battle the ram or uh, the the seahawks for that second spot uh in the division so We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Seattle has done really well at the Meadowlands, as, as we've said. Uh, they they kind of play well, which is weird coming west to east. But a lot of times we talk west to east, especially for 1 o'clock games yeah. on Sunday. This obviously a Monday night game, so a little bit different there. Uh, let's see what they can do. I mean, I, I think they're, they're – I don't think. I, I believe they're the better team going into this game. But with, with the Giants, you're not – really, you're not sure what you're going to get, quite honestly.
0: No, I think we've kind of downgraded expectations somewhat. And yeah. I still count on the offensive brain trust there between Kafka, Kafka and Dable to be able to get the most out of what this unit can be. But again, because there weren't substantial acquisitions outside of tight end and a little bit in the draft in the uh, wide receiver room, right. and you've been banged up at offensive line and running back now, The foundation is kind of cracked and you didn't do enough to add to all the bells and whistles elsewhere for me to feel like I would expect a ton from this team right now.
1: They're probably not good enough to overcome that, right? I mean, basically is what we're saying. There are some teams that are good enough to overcome some injuries, and it doesn't seem like the Giants are going to be one of those teams to be able to do that, depending on how long these guys are out.
0: No, certainly not. So we'll wait and see what happens uh, as we get set for that on Monday Night Football. But coming up next, let's take a look back and crown the members of our all-weekend team next here on Gojo and Goalers. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans would feel a little bit more confident about the situation.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. I'm Jesse Cofield. and It is time to do our weekend roundup for the guys all weekend teams. And as we mentioned, I've been in Italy for a week. And, you know, obviously I've been doing a lot during this show. So I figure I'll just toss it over to them, let them talk for a little bit, and I'll just sit here.
0: Yeah, Jesse, you can, you can go take a nap, take a little yeah. rest or something <laughs> right Thank now. It's, 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 it's that time to nestle in here, Dad. The all weekend team coming off every weekend, like to go out here and give some people the respect that showed out here. We'll go honorable mention, second team, and first team all weekend. And I want to start, Dad, my honorable mention all weekend team member, true weekend warrior Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL insider, great reporter over there for them. We saw last week, Dad, that Dolphins fan family that took a shot for every touchdown that the Dolphins scored. Well – Jeff Darlington decided to try and play that idea forward a little bit. Jeff was delayed in Buffalo's airport after covering the Bills win over the Dolphins. And so him and a bunch of fans decided to make the most of it. He said they were going to drink every time they showed Taylor Swift on Sunday Night Football and that he was going to buy shots for the entire bar every fifth time they showed her. Now, I think the final count, Dad, was 17 shots of Taylor Swift during that game and jeff's follow-up tweet really showed and embodied just how far this went because a lot of people were obviously worried about what that could mean we knew that everybody the nfl was going to milk this situation for all it was worth and jeff darlington said and now we're delayed again because a guy puked when he boarded the plane oh not kidding my bad question mark yeah jeff i think you got to wear that one because it sounds like you fueled that disaster that now kept that plane from moving even further so honorable mention all weekend team goes to jeff darlington party man himself for facilitating a good time during the delay
1: that's a good one That that's a good one to get someone to you know have to puke and rally is uh is always an interesting thing to do mine and, uh, and, and because it was a big thing the Ryder cup is a big thing i'll say that but because we didn't win, I'll only give Europe honorable mention, but I, I got to give it to them. I mean, they mm. beat us 16.5 to 11.5. And they listen, they smoked us. And as we heard Jason Sobel come on, and we talked to Keegan Bradley last week, I mean, analytics has become such a big part of golf now as well. And the Europeans were able to set up the golf course to their favor and more power to them, more power to them to be able to do that. I'd like it one year if, if – Americans or Europeans are much better at putting to one year, set it up as a putt-putt course and just do the Ryder cup as a putt-putt course. How cool would that be? I mean, windmills. it be great, a, It'd be great for thing. us if
0: you wanted us on the Ryder cup team. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, alligator mouth opening, windmill, the whole thing, the whole ball and wax do that. But I, I, I got to give it to the European team. They just, they smoked us. Uh, I don't know what would have happened in a free for all fight. Uh, if that broke out because of Hatgate, which was one of the more ridiculous things I've seen in a while. Uh to see golfers really mad and upset. Really one, Rory McElroy, uh the other being the uh the Caddy and Lacava, which was which was absolute money to watch. Um, but I have to give them the honorable mention. Again, if USA had won this, they they would be getting my first team. Uh but I'll give Europe honorable mention because they did the take us behind the woodshed.
0: If they do go to the putt-putt version of this, that just means the broadcast team has to be Rob Riggle and Joe yep. Tess. It's got to exactly be the right. Moly broadcast yep. team on this.
1: Yep, it's exactly right. Has to do it. That'd be All awesome. Right.
0: That'd be that'd be incredible. Um, if anyone takes that idea, that's our intellectual property, yes, and we will sue you. Um, yep. Let's get to the second team of the all-weekend team. My dad and this uh, selfish little plug here as we played the audio before from College Football Saturday Night Powered by Learfield where myself and Chris Hassel were on the call for the Notre Dame and Duke game on national radio. We're going to be heading to Athens this week as we're going to have a likely ranked ranked top 25 matchup between number one Georgia that just got out of Dodge this last weekend and skated by one against Auburn. and then Kentucky who put it on the Florida Gators enthusiastically in a game dominated by the guy that's the second team member of my honor or of my all weekend team Ray Davis the transfer running back who was Dominant fourth in the SEC in rushing last year at Vanderbilt, his time with the Commodores, came over to Kentucky, and in an offense manned by Liam Cohen, who came back from the Los Angeles Rams, went out and rushed for a career-high 280 yards and four touchdowns, including three touchdowns in the first half against the Florida Gators. Dad, my biggest beef here is Ray Davis was 19 yards shy of the the Kentucky single-game school rushing record when Mark Stoops took him out of the game. Then promptly the next play, because they were getting down towards the red zone, and I get it, you don't want him hurt for that matchup against Georgia. There's a million logical reasons. But on the very next play, they pop a counter run that went for about 20 yards that would have been the record breaker that I'm sure Ray Davis in his infinite wisdom would have probably hit. So bummed he didn't get the all-time mark. But an incredible performance from one of the best backs in the SEC.
1: Kind of like when uh, when Miami didn't kick, go to kick that field goal to be the highest yes. scoring team in a game in NFL history. And also, real quickly about Georgia, and why again, why I hate the Heisman, it's just going to be a quarterback award. Brock Bowers could be the best player in all of football. The tight end for Georgia is going to be a high draft. The dude from true freshman year on has been nothing but spectacular, and he... Won that game uh, for Georgia. Eight catches for 157 yards and a touchdown. Dude is unbelievable and should be getting some recognition, but it's a quarterback award, so Still I, with I digress. Matthew last
0: year from Michael Mayer, but it's fine. Yeah,
1: I know. I I, I thought Mayer should have uh, got that one last year. I agree with you on that. Um, my second team is going to be a matchup. Two teams that got to the finals is going to be in the WNBA, the Aces and the Liberty. Mm. To, you know, the WNBA started to do what the NBA is doing and build super teams. These two built super teams and it worked. Liberty ended up 32 and eight. The Aces 34 and six. They are super teams colliding for the Liberty. Brianna Stewart, now a two time, you know, WNBA player of the year. This is just power upon power. They played four times in the regular season, split at home, and then they played in the finals of the Commissioner Cup. Which I believe the Liberty won that game as well. So they've actually played five times already this year. But uh, but as I mentioned in the regular season, the home teams won. The Aces are the number one seed in this best of five, so they'll get the extra one at home should it go down that road. But this where two teams were built to be super teams, and it actually came to fruition. It worked out to where they are the two best teams, and the two best teams actually reached. The final so I give them their kudos
0: yeah no it, it uh, absolutely it's nice when a good plan works out and these two titans have been on a collision course since the beginning of the season and now we're going to get it and, and to your point we've seen it multiple times uh, the WNBA has gotten everything out of this matchup in this pairing that they could have hoped for coming on down to this so very excited to check that out get your popcorn ready hope the shot clock shot clock operator <laughs> took the heart medication etc cetera, etc cetera, because et cetera, this is going to be an absolute barn burner. Dad, let's get to first team here. Easy one for me, Sam Hartman. Like, I, I, I cannot stress enough, and I think with the benefit of time, it was so shocking in the moment to watch what transpired happen. What a wild swing in that minute 15 as you went from Notre Dame down, backed up in the shadow of their own end zone, to Audric Estime scampering for a touchdown after a tough day on the ground. But all of that made possible by Sam Hartman and a gutty performance under center where he had gotten hit a fair amount and instead scampers for one of the most important fourth downs in recent Notre Dame history and keeps their season hopes alive. Him and Marcus Freeman are building something special right now and they managed to find a way. The same way Ohio State did did the week before against them, Notre Dame did on the road in a tough environment against a tough opponent and their quarterback's a huge reason why.
1: Hell yeah, Sam. Hell yeah. So let's hope they... regroup from their mistakes and uh, do well against Louisville next week. We will wait and see. My first teamer goes to Christian McCaffrey. I mean, Mm. they smoked the Cardinals 35-60. The Cardinals hung around for a little bit in this one. He had four touchdowns, three rushing, one receiving. So at this point, he scored a touchdown for the 13th straight game in a 49ers uniform. He's been there for like a day. It breaks an all-time franchise record held by Jerry Rice. He already broke Jerry Rice's record, 13 games with a touchdown in each game. Plus, he's third in NFL history with 600 scrimmage yards and seven scrimmage TDs through the first four games of the season. He joins Emmitt Smith and Jim Brown, Jim Brown, who did it twice. I mean, the dude is unbelievable, and he has brought the trade back to the NFL to say, man, it can work if you can make a move before the trade deadline.
0: Man, one of the biggest in recent memory. Dad, he currently sits, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, with the seventh best MVP odds right now. He's actually one spot ahead of his quarterback in Brock Purdy, who's got the eighth best odds at this point. And I think this year, Dad, could be an interesting one to talk about, non-quarterbacks, because with him and with Tyreek Hill, you've got two big-name players, a part of some of the best offenses in the sport. Coming up next, let's talk a little bit of NBA in this, that, and the stat and third. Brought to you by Wrangler, jeans, shirts, and jackets made for the ride of life. Be ready for those cooler days and longer nights in styles that keep you warm and keep you comfortable, moving, and looking great no matter where you are. You can wear Wrangler jeans literally anywhere. At work, out at night, playing a pickup game with friends, or at home, watching the game on TV. They're that comfortable and that durable. And there's a Wrangler shirt for every occasion. Casual tees, snaps and button-ups, or layer them together for a little bit of both. And don't forget the iconic Wrangler jackets. When the weather starts to chill and you need to venture out, Wrangler will keep you ready for anything. Add some Wrangler to your getup with jeans, shirts, and jackets that look great, fit great, and move great so you're always ready for whatever life throws at you. And save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order when you use promo code GOJO15. Wrangler for the ride
1: of life.
0: Welcome back to Gojo and Golick, Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield back from a wonderful jaunt through Italy. We're going to get you to this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish off the day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that five-star rating, and check us out on DraftKings' YouTube channel as well as DraftKingsNetwork.com and Samsung TV Plus uh, from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern live Monday through Friday right here. And, Dad, let's start off with this. Drew Holiday finally completes the last leg of this trade uh, blockbuster between the Portland Trailblazers and the Milwaukee Bucks that landed the Milwaukee Bucks, Damian Lillard, and landed the Portland Trailblazers, another asset that they have now flipped to the Boston Celtics, dad. Drew Holiday, one of the best two-way guards in the NBA, now heads to Boston. In exchange, the Portland Trailblazers get center Robert Williams and guard Malcolm Brogdon. In this deal, a 2024 pick via first uh, first round pick via Golden State and then a 2029 first round pick are also heading to the Blazers as a part of this deal. So dad, the hall now complete for the Blazers the other day. And the thing that stands out to damn near everyone, because we've seen all the reporting on this about how Miami believes that they were not dealt with in good faith that the Miami Heat got left on red for a number of months because of how things transpired with Dame and his camp's very public demands that they wanted to go to the Chiefs. And what you end up with is, The two biggest competitors for the Miami Heat and the Eastern Conference, both getting substantially better as a result of this trade by the Portland Trailblazers in a petty move for the ages.
1: Yeah, they're talk about uh, having a chip on their shoulder. Miami's got to have one all year because of the way this thing worked out. Portland gets a couple more draft picks in this one. I love the way Robert Williams plays, who goes to Portland from Boston. Uh, I love his toughness on the court. So he's at Portland now, along with Brogdon. And for Drew Holiday... Uh, You know, I'm happy he went. You know, he went from a contender in Milwaukee to Portland, where that probably wasn't going to happen. But now he's back on a contender again, uh, wearing a different shade of green uh, in Boston. So at least for him, he's still going to be on a team that that is contending in a very, very stacked Eastern Conference. So we'll wait and see how the draft picks turn out for Portland. Did this turn out to be the best deal for Portland? Now that a couple more draft picks were involved, I know that's what a lot of people were waiting for.
0: Yeah, and for them, they're going to have plenty of size out there between DeAndre Ayton and Robert Williams, both on that Portland roster now. And then, Dad, it's going to be fascinating for the uh, Boston Celtics now. What you lost in Marcus Smart as a defensive player in that backcourt, you certainly get now. Drew Holiday, phenomenal defensive player, even better offensive player than Marcus Smart, but losing some of that size in the middle going to be interesting in an Eastern Conference that's got – Bam on of bio, what he's capable of for the Miami Heat. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks have size like it's going out of style, but a net positive for them, certainly, in a Miami Heat team that now going to certainly be uh, motivated <laughs> yes. heading into the season, to say yes. the least. Got to look at the schedule to see if the Bucks or the Blazers are on there at any point to see if we get that revenge game. Dad, let's get to that, though, and stick in the NBA, because part of what we said about the Dame Lillard situation was Dame Lillard ended up not getting to the destination of his choice in large part because we don't think he was willing to make things ugly enough. James Harden does not appear content to let that happen. As per Shams over uh, um, at Stadium, we have got the report now that apparently James Harden has not showed up to training camp and media day for the Philadelphia Sixers. Sources tell The Athletic and Stadium right now. So, Once again, James Harden not going to show up at the beginning of training camp at the season to try and get his point across after publicly slandering the GM, Daryl Morey, over in China before.
1: Yeah, let's see how this one goes. So again, he's not showing up for that. Um, The team uh, goes to their training complex in Camden. They'll also head to Colorado State uh, for some training camp as well. Remember, he uh, requested a trade back, I believe it was June 30th, opted in on his uh, $35.6 million deal and has been looking for a trade. And certainly when you when you blast the GM the way you blasted him, uh, that would seem you would uh, get your way and get out. Right now, he's not. So he, again, is, is that squeaky wheel that we've talked about. And uh, squeaky wheels, unfortunately, we've seen usually win out at times at this point. He has is, he is not, for what it's gone through, and in all honesty, if he stays in Philly, he has proved not to be clutch in the playoffs. We saw a couple of big games out of him when they needed, but then games where he just absolutely disappears as well. So at some point, we're going to get down to James Harden, the player, and where that's going to be and just what he's going to do for whatever team he's on. At this point, still Philadelphia.
0: I forget what the name of the show is, and it, excuse me on that, but Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce... Um, and company we're talking about this though and the amount of times James Harden has done this dad and Kevin Garnett was the one that authored the phrase he's wiggled himself out of a lot of situations and you don't get infinite wiggles. If you're James Harden, especially as James Harden, the player, begins to deteriorate a little bit from the idea we've had of him for so long. A young player in this league, as they pointed out, you get a lot of the benefit of the doubt there. When you're the MVP, you get a lot of that ability to go ahead and swing the hammer, as you always talk about. But, Dad, the leverage hammer here probably getting a little less heavy as time goes on, and to your point – We've got such an overwhelmingly large James Harden sample size. Yep. Yes, great Hall of Fame-worthy player. One of the best isolation players ever. You could argue mucked up the game a bit with his propensity to go and try and draw fouls, but at the end of the day, this carriage turns back into a pumpkin sometime in the middle of the postseason, whether it's because of his style of play, whether it's because of the way that he conducts himself off the court. I don't know what it is, but at this point, we know the results, and the evidence is too overwhelming to ignore at this point. And so if you are another team that's interested in this, how much are you really willing to go and party yep. for a player who you ultimately feel like we have a pretty established ceiling for at this point i can't imagine there's going to be a ton of takers in that unless you're a team that's just looking at trying to be interesting as opposed to high end good because if you're a true contender this is not a guy that really feels like he nope. elevates the play all that much
1: yeah you want to grab him for that one year fine but i mean he, looking for a long term deal who's who's doing that i mean why would you do that i mean we, we talk about in basketball because the playoffs can go so long. And that's where great players make their legacy, you know, there and in baseball when we have these series and, and see what you can do over time. Uh, and, and he has not done it. You know, a great player is supposed to lead a team to a championship and he's not done that. We have seen him disappear. So yeah. Who takes that chance, you know, on 35 mil is one thing, but having to, to re up for four or five years for a couple hundred mil, I mean, you're doing that. I mean, I, I I don't know who would be doing that.
0: So uh, according to Woj, Harden would be subject to a fine for missing media day. The Sixers leave for Colorado, like you mentioned, at at CSU for training camp. And the Sixers and Clippers have talked recently, but there doesn't appear to be any traction as far as a trade. And, Dan, that might be the one team to keep in mind. The Clippers were one that were mentioned in the saga surrounding Drew Holiday after the Dame Lillard trade of someone who might swing, a contender looking for guard play that might be able to elevate them going forward. And we know with Steve Ballmer, someone who certainly courts interesting in being the center of attention and things as well. Dad, speaking of attention, let's get to the third What an exit potentially for Red Star Joey Votto (laughs) as he was ejected early in a loss to the Cardinals that might turn out to be his finer Major League Baseball game. Dad, the 40-year-old has spent all 17 seasons with the Reds. We've seen him be one of the most colorful characters with the media. And he got the huge standing O when he stepped up to the batter's box and then promptly struck out on a foul ball and then started to argue with the umpire and then ultimately got himself tossed out of the game.
1: I mean, do you think the, the refs would have some kind of spatial awareness to know it might be his last game and to to not toss him right away? It was the I mean,
2: first inning. Like, yeah. And it was just, from the dugout. Like he was going from the dugout.
1: It's yeah, crazy. I mean, to, to give a little bit of, hey, this could be your last game. I get it, man. I want to respect your years in the league. I don't want to toss you right now. But as we know, the umps in baseball love to be the show, I think, more than the players want to be the show, but what, what an exit that he is a colorful player. There is no doubt about that, but if, if that were to be his last game and he got tossed right out of the gate, that would be absolutely amazing. He did tweet out
0: as you just saw there for anyone watching, I cannot holler at the umpire from our team's bench. He was completely justified and ejected me. For those who wanted me to see me play today, I'm sorry. His (laughs) 15th career ejection could be his last. Dad, maybe he just wanted to get a head start in the shower. He knew this was going to be the last day. He knew he was going to be done. Let him bask in the moment there. Get one big, loud headline on the way out there and
1: call it a day. Post-game meals, babies, getting in line. Post-game meal. Get a head start on downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing us,
0: leaving us that five-star rating, and checking us out here every day. Thanks so much. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Talk to you tomorrow.